Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The Your Good Has Gone August Is Over edition as the Bengals wrap up the preseason with a 16-7 win over the L.A. Rams. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, post-game comments from players and coaches, and analysis from my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. Then, in this week's Fun Facts segment, you'll hear from a Bengals rookie who grew up 40 minutes from Paycor Stadium rooting for the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, nobody's perfect. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals. Download Ultimate Bengals ahead of the 2022 season. It's free to play next level fantasy football with fantastic Bengals prizes. Get it now on the App Store and Google Play. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since Ken Riley's almost certain enshrinement in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Approximately 10 days ago, the Hall of Fame in Canton announced the three players in the seniors category that are finalists for the 2023 class, including Bengals legend Ken Riley. The Rattler will get into the Hall of Fame if he is supported by at least 80% of the voters in January, and that is considered a formality. Riley's 65 interceptions rank fifth highest in NFL history, and while he obviously earned this, he got some help in recent years from fans like Bengal Jim Foster, who helped organize rallies to raise awareness that there should be more Bengals in the Hall of Fame. Bengals.com editor Jeff Hobson also deserves a shout-out for making Riley's case with his fellow Hall of Fame voters. It's great news for Bengals fans and especially meaningful for the Riley family. Here's hoping that a couple of Andersons, Ken and Willie, are up next. Now, time to look back at Saturday's preseason finale against the Rams. The Bengals got on the scoreboard first, in the first. A 32-yard pass from Brandon Allen to Stanley Morgan led to an Evan McPherson field goal and a 3-0 lead at the end of the first quarter. It looked like the Rams might pull ahead early in the second when they drove deep into Bengals territory. Third down and three at the Cincinnati 10. It's a handoff to Funk. He's got the first down inside the five. Tackled at the four. Balls the out. ball comes out. And the Bengals recover. Big. Trayvon Henderson punched it away from Jake Funk. Dominique Davis recovered the fumble. And moments later, Brandon Allen delivered the Bengals' longest play of the preseason. He waits at the goal line for a shotgun snap on second and nine. Pump fakes, throws it down oh, the sideline. It is caught on the run at the 40. Kendrick Pryor with the catch. And he gets taken down at the 42-yard line. A 38-yard gain. It led to another McPherson field goal to make it 6-0, but Kendrick Pryor winced when I asked him about that play. Nah, I just wish I would have scored. That's all. <laughs> Been cool to have like a 90, was it on a two-yard line? Yeah. 98-yard touchdown. That would have been cool, but still happy, though. Grateful made a big play, but definitely always want more than what I can get, so definitely wish I would have got. It would have been much cooler with a 98 touchdown versus a 38-yard <laughs> game. So. But it was, like I said, grateful, though. Trusted me, gave me a good ball, let me run underneath it, just made a play. It was another good night for Pryor, who finished with five catches for 65 yards. He led the Bengals in receiving yards this preseason with 182 
in three games. I felt like I did pretty pretty decent during the, the preseason games, you know. Went out there throughout camp. Those preseason games just got a chance to show people I can make plays, and when my number's called, I'll be there to, you know, make a play for them. So, like, I feel like I did pretty good. Do you feel like you've put yourself in a good position to still be part of this team going forward? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, at this point, it's out of my control now. You know, we don't, got, we don't have any more practices or games left. So, at this point, it's just hoping what I put on film, you know, is good enough to make that roster. But I got the got good confidence, you know. I felt like things should go, should go good for me. But at this point, like I said, it's out of my hands. So, we're just going to sit back, wait till, wait till Tuesday at 4 o'clock. Tuesday at 4 is the deadline for cutting the roster from 80 to 53. If Pryor doesn't make the cut, there's a strong chance he'll be part of the 16-man practice squad. The Bengals scored once more before halftime as another McPherson field goal made it 9-0 at the break. The Rams managed just 75 yards of offense in the first half. L.A. didn't do much better in the third quarter as the Bengals forced a pair of fumbles. Zach Carter caused the first on a strip sack. T. Gray Scales forced the second by ripping the ball away from running back Trey Regis. For the second straight week, the Bengals took a nine-point lead to the fourth quarter. They weren't able to hold the lead last Sunday against the Giants, and they allowed the Rams to score in the fourth quarter on Saturday night. They'll send three receivers out to the right, one out to the left. Shotgun snap, Perkins looking around. He's back at the 12, under pressure. Gets away from Gunter, running toward the left side. He's down to the five, and he gets close to the pylon, and he's in for a Rams touchdown. He is an athlete. That made it 9-7 Bengals with roughly 11 and a half minutes to go. How did the offense respond? With a 13-play drive that took nearly seven minutes off the clock, and ultimately put the game away. Browning drops back to pass, fires into oh. the end zone, yeah. caught by yeah. Justin Rigg for the touchdown. Big the young Rigg. man from Springboro, Ohio, by way of the University of Kentucky, with the touchdown catch, and the Bengals lead it 15-7. to It was Jake Browning's first touchdown pass in eight NFL preseason games between the Vikings and Bengals. And here's the guy on the receiving end, undrafted rookie tight end, Justin Rigg. Going through my head, I heard the play call, and I knew that I had a chance to get that ball, and I saw that I had the, the outside leverage on the guy to break out. And right when I broke out, I knew the ball was coming, and then obviously <laughs> ended up in the end zone. And uh, I was in shock at first because, you know, you, especially as a blocking tight end, you never expect that type of thing to happen, but you just got to be ready for when your number's called. And uh, it happened and just through the roof, excited. I got to work on my celebration a little bit. I didn't I didn't know what to do, but I'll, I'll get it next time. All right, forgive me. I didn't keep watching to see how you celebrated. What did you do? Oh, I just I just threw up my arms. I didn't know what to do. Celebrated with my teammates, but next time, next time I'll have something else. Who got the ball, you or Jake? Uh, I have it right here in, in my locker right here. So I, I appreciate uh, them getting me that ball, and it's, uh, I'll cherish that moment forever. We'll get to know Justin much better later in the podcast. The final score, the Bengals 16, the Rams 7. Now let's hear from head coach Zach Taylor, who spent about three minutes with Dave Lapham after the game. Coach, pitch shut off for three quarters against uh, you know a damn good football team. Hard to do. I thought it was a really good performance by our defense. A lot of guys played a lot of snaps. Um, it was a good way to finish the offseason here. So the, uh, the two days that you, that you had working together, 
and uh, the carryover to today's football game, it looked like guys were pretty familiar with assignment alignment and adjustment and all the sort of things that needed to get done tonight. I didn't notice a lot of mental errors. That's something we'll, we'll see more tomorrow. But I thought the guys played fast. They played with confidence and allowed us to get a win. So uh, Jake Browning on the one touchdown drive, he was basically accounted for all the yards, made all the – how good was he tonight? He managed the situation really well, you know, and uh, they had us out leverage in the run game playing base to 11. So sometimes you just got to throw it. And, and I thought we did a really nice job operating in that situation. Yeah, I think you threw it 11, 11 straight times, didn't you? Something like that, I think, in that drive. Yeah, they know. Based to 11, you know, I think they were down personnel, gave us the excuse to throw the ball a little bit more, and, and so we took advantage of it. I mean, your, your defense, though, in the second half uh, went base. I mean, three linebackers, a lot of the linebackers in there were loving it. They were kidding, like, felt like high school again, going out there with uh, four down linemen and three linebackers. Played pretty well with it. Yeah, the traditional old school alignment there, true 4-3. Um, I thought that they handled it really well. You know, Keandre had to play a different role for us. Michael Thomas had to play a different role. He played some nickel there in the second quarter. So I just thought our guys did a really good job adjusting to some of the things that we had to do to help ourselves in this game. Turnovers, you guys really protected the ball well. They had some difficulty, and a lot of it was due to the excellence of your defensive football team again. They did a great job creating the turnovers, win the turnover battle. You got a great chance to win the game. Uh, wish we could have capitalized a little bit more in the red zone there on offense, but uh, thought our guys did a really good job winning the turnover battle. Early in the game, I think their first four possessions, three three and outs, and then they had the fumble at the two yard line in the low red zone. Pretty good. Yeah, it was really good. You know, it's it's anytime you can hold them to zero at halftime, then we feel like we're in pretty good shape. Yeah, no question. So, as far as I know, knock on wood, if I can find some, nothing at all that looked like was any kind of a problem from an injury standpoint. That was the biggest goal tonight, wasn't it? Yeah, we'll find out. You know, some of those things pop up the next day, and so we'll have to, to make sure that everybody's healthy as we come out of this thing. And then now you're in a, in a scenario where uh, you're going to uh, have to evaluate things from a personnel standpoint, make some tough decisions. I know, like everybody that I talk to in the locker room that is trying to fight for a job, man, I hope I stay here. I love this place. I love it here. Kudos to you for creating that kind of culture. I mean, guys want to be here big time. I think guys have really bought in, and they enjoy being around each other, and that's important if you're going to have a winning football team. Guys got to enjoy the process and be willing to do some hard work um, and like doing it with the people that they're doing it with, and I think that we've got that here. So now, just uh, what, what's the process, Coach? you gotta, you got to get down to the, the 53, but the roster is still in flux probably for – couple of days or so. You have Labor Day weekend off, but the Pittsburgh Steelers come into town to open the season. How much time have you given to the Pittsburgh Steelers during the course of training camp? Has there been some time devoted to them? We're always keeping an eye on everybody, you know, and, and so it'll be nice to, to get through the personnel part and just dive into the Steelers. Congratulations. Got the dub. Get out of it uh, in real good shape, it looks like, physically. It's a pretty good night. Good night. Yep, appreciate it. So now, players on the bubble have to go through the agony of waiting to find out if they made the roster or the practice squad. One of the players who seems likely to stick around is undrafted rookie cornerback Alan George. He played every defensive snap against the Rams, and I talked to him about his performance and the upcoming roster cuts. I think for the most part it was good. Um, I kind of got... I, I did the same thing in the first game. I took all 81 snaps on defense. so Or not all 81 snaps on defense, but I took all the snaps on defense. So I kind of got my, my lungs ready for that at, that at that point when we played the Cardinals. So when we came out here today, I actually felt better. I was telling my wife that um, 
that I, that I had kind of had to get my mind right, but I actually felt pretty prepared and, and, and I was ready to handle, handle their tempo or however fast they wanted to go. So I think for the most part, I, had, I handled the snaps pretty well. You went and visited with your wife right after the game. Yeah. Was she pretty excited about how things went? Yeah, she's always excited. She's always in my corner 24-7. Ever since we met, she's sent me a, a game day message, long message. Uh, I don't know how she keeps formulating new ones. <laughs> but uh, And then she has a, a Bible verse in there, uh, we just, and we just pray over it. So she's extremely supportive. She comes to every single one of my games. Uh, she hasn't missed one. So. She's extremely supportive. We're chatting with Alan George. I thought you had a good week in those joint practices mm -hmm. against the Rams. I thought you did extremely well. Had an interception in one of those practices. Do you feel like this final week goes a long way toward you sticking around here? Yeah, I mean, I hope it does. Um, I don't think anybody wants to exit a league or exit a team or a club. Um, for the most part, I, I feel like I put my best foot forward. Uh, and if I did make a mistake, I was... I wasn't ever losing a rep. I was kind of just learning from it. Uh, so I, my brother, when I was growing up, he always just tell me, you don't ever lose, you win or you learn. And, uh, and that's kind of one thing I carry down throughout my football career. So uh, anything that, that hit me in, during, the, during the Rams practices or, or just any practice throughout camp, uh, if it hit me once, I tried to make sure I got it off my tape and I didn't let it hit me again. So I think I put my best foot forward. Did anything in particular stand out in those joint practices against the likes of Cooper Cup and the other great players that they have on that team? <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't get the chance to cover Cup, but I talked to him after one of the practices, uh, and it was just, it was just crazy just to be in the the same. It's. I mean, it, it's crazy for me to be in the same space as these people already. I, I feel like I belong in the in the league definitely, um, but. Just me coming from the situation I came from as an undrafted rookie from from Vandy, and then I didn't play football till I was 15. I, from a city of 8,000 people, like it, it's it's not common for my type to get here to this point. So, um, anytime I get the chance to meet any of those people that might get a gold jacket, uh, it's it's kind of nuts. So um, I think I learned I learned uh, some intricacies of, of how they run routes, uh, and I've been able to kind of make that and adapt how I play certain certain receivers uh, when it comes to body types or their speed or anything like that. So, so I always try to use the knowledge that I get from, from the greats, I, I feel like. Final question for Alan George. How do you plan to spend the next day or two uh, hoping to get that, that phone call that you're part of this team going forward? Um, I'm just going to spend it happy. Uh, I, I have no – no, uh, nothing, nothing to hold back. I really have no regrets of how, of how I played this or how my interactions within the building uh, in meetings or training, uh, like, like weightlifting or anything like that. I, I feel like I put my best foot forward in, in every regard. So me and my wife are just going to relax um, or relax as much as I can uh, and then just pray and hope um, just like we did for the draft. I mean, that didn't, that didn't work in our favor, but we got something right after. So. Uh, if, if it goes our way, it goes our way, and I'll be extremely grateful. And if it doesn't, I'll have my head up high, and I'll still be extremely grateful for the opportunity. You should have your head up high. You've done an excellent job. Best of luck going forward. Thank you. Allen had five tackles against the Rams and shared the team lead in passes defensed in the preseason with three. Now, time for post-game analysis with Lap and this week's Radio Guys Recap. All right, Lap, the Bengals end the preseason with a nine-point victory over the Rams, 16-7 to the final score. I know people don't remember wins and losses in the preseason, but the players do. When they take the field, they want to walk out of there with a win, and uh, obviously everybody feels a little bit happier that at least they got one of these three preseason games. 
I, I agree with you, Dan. Couldn't agree with you more, in fact. And and to get the victory against the Rams, who obviously had a bitter defeat in Super Bowl 56, and then, you know, the little uh, <laughs> little bit of a rub that occurred <laughs> at the end of uh, the second day of practice. I'm sure there's still guys that have feelings about that. So it, it's it's good to get a victory, particularly the way the defense played. I mean, geez, they were just lights out. You shut out an NFL team in any circumstance for three quarters. That's getting it done. I mean, these guys are out there on the football field for a reason. I mean, they can perform. They're, they're high-end athletes. And I thought Lou Anarumo and his uh, defensive team, I mean, the first four possessions, three three and outs and a takeaway in the low red zone. I mean, it was crazy good. And, um, you know, I thought Browning played well. The receiving core, Irwin, nine catches for 93 yards. Lasseter, five for 42. Pryor, five for 65. I mean, 19 catches out of three guys. You know, for about 200 yards, I mean, that's 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 pretty good. They did a great job, I thought, finding uh, holes and seams in the zone coverages of the Rams. And, uh, you know, we're on the same page. Browning did a good job finding those guys, you know, as well as Brandon Allen. Both quarterbacks played well. I mean, Brandon Allen, 10 out of, uh, 11 out of 15 for 130 yards. Browning 19 for 24 for 173. And like you said during the broadcast, Browning was responsible for the touchdown drive all by himself. 10 for 12 for 63 yards in the touchdown pass, and he had the 12-yard run to keep the drive alive. I mean, it was the Jake Browning drive. (laughs) I want to follow up on those three wide receivers, Trenton Irwin, Kendrick Pryor, Kwame Lasseter. All of them had at least five catches tonight. I would think the Bengals will have a couple of wide receivers on the practice squad. Can they have all three? <laughs> I know it's it's uh, it, they they all they all played like they wanted to be there tonight. There's no question about that. Can they have three out of sixteen? I I think maybe they can, <laughs> maybe they can. Um, but boy, they all deserve it. And then you know, Travion Williams, every opportunity he gets, this kid steps up as well. You know, I mean, he was a practice squad guy last year, and I, he's certainly. He had four catches himself for 40 yards and seven rushes for 22. And, and I thought his, I thought he was the best blitz pickup guy against the Giants last week in terms of consistency of technique and all that. I mean, they, they, they've got some good football players. This, this personnel department here has put together a roster that's got some, some depth and talent. There's no question. A guy that stood out to me tonight who I really hadn't noticed much in the first two preseason games was linebacker T. Gray Scales. He was part of the uh, coin toss as one of the five Cincinnati kids that went out there uh, at the beginning of the game. He had six tackles. He forced a fumble. Um, that's a guy who's you know trying to stick around on the practice squad, and uh, I thought he had his best performance tonight. I agree with that 100,000% as well. I mean, I, I put him down for, all right, now he's got to really step up on special teams. He's got to impress Darren Simmons. Well, heck, he got his snaps defensively, and he stepped up in those. I mean, he, he's, he showed, you know, that, okay, I'm on the big stage. This is important to me. I'm a Cincinnati guy. Great crowd again, by the way, wasn't it, mm-hmm. for a preseason game? Yeah. I mean, written, they were into us, good crowd. And he the juices were flowing now to him. This was his individual Super Bowl 56. You know, it was that important to a lot of these guys, and they played like it. Yeah, I thought he's if he's not a practice squad guy, that would be stunning. He's got to be. You want to develop a kid like that that responded the way he responded, he certainly didn't, you know. The stage wasn't too big and bright for him. He stepped up, and he showed himself. So he showed up big time. What do you think becomes of the punting battle? 
Kevin Huber's first punt, great hang time, 45 yards, fair caught, exactly what Darren Simmons is looking for. But we know about the leg strength of Drew Chrisman, and he boomed one 65 yards. Now it went to the end zone, but it bounced at the five before going in. It's still 45 yards net. Do you think Darren, in his mind, has his uh, winner determined? Do you think he's going to think about it for 24 or 48 hours? I don't. I wonder. I wonder if he does have it determined, uh, because it, I, I think I think tonight showed what you have to make the decision about. Mm-hmm. One guy has a booming howitzer hanging off his right hip, and the other guy still is the tremendously accurate, uh, you know, finesse find find the directional punting spots perfectly. And um, I guess to me, we were talking about it a little bit before the game in the booth uh, that how many times. During the course of the season, do you have to flip the field as opposed to making accurate directional kicks and, and backing people up? I mean, they're both invaluable things. If you can back somebody up inside the 10, never mind the 20, inside the 10 like Kevin has done you know, a myriad of times in his career, that's massive to make him go long field like that. I mean, that gives the defense extra juice, and you know, the offense is like, I can't make a mistake. If I make a mistake now, gosh, they got points. You know, we're on a short field. So it, it changes play calling, changes attitude, changes mindset. But there's nothing better than, you know, <laughs> you're backed up at your 15-yard line and a punter boots the ball from his own end zone to their 10-yard line. I mean, that's like huge. So, you know, I guess, I guess Darren has to weigh all that, I guess, weigh all that out. I, to me, I don't know, it's almost like Kevin Huber, in my mind, almost deserves to be knocked out instead of TKO'd, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure he's knocked out, you know. I, I, I think Crispin's a talent. I think somebody's going to gobble him up when he goes on the waiver wire. And I th- honestly, I think somebody that's got a punting problem is going to gobble up Kevin Huber as well. Whoever they let go has got a job somewhere in the National Football League, but, I mean, Kevin Huber's an institution here. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's something that, uh, you know, seasons come and go, but Huber stays. So it's going to be very, very interesting. Darren Simmons has – a very, very intriguing decision to make. And, uh, you know, he did – I thought he was kind of tipping his hand a little bit when he says – when he said early, before training camp started, I think he said 60% of the job now because of place kicking, the excellence of the kickers is a holder. And 40% punter, I'm thinking, oh, he's going Huber. And then Chrisman is a good athlete, and he's got eye-hand coordination. He's shown marked improvement. And Darren says he's monitored – you know, he's tracked all of them, and it's – and it's a toss-up, so, man. But he's done it for all those years, and Clark Harris and Kevin Huber have never had a screw-up. All that stuff just means something to me. I, I don't know. I, it's one of those situations where how can you, how can you say, what? Either, it's, either decisions that's, that's made, but it's a difficult one, very tough. Let's turn to Jackson Carmen, who got every snap at left guard. He may have been very solid over the course of most of those snaps tonight. Hopefully he was when we go back and and look at the tape of the game. But he did give up a sack. He had a penalty. The kinds of mistakes, unfortunately, that have, you know, hurt him because it's kind of a roller coaster ride with him. Do you think that helps clinch things in favor of Cordell Volson if it wasn't already clinched going into the game? Yeah, you know, I think think that if if it was close – going into the game, in my mind, Cordell Volson, the, the thing, the, if I'm coaching the offensive line, I have a lot of trust in Cordell Volson. And, and athletics is 
built on trust, just like relationships, any relationships built on trust. And uh, I think Cordell Volson, even even as, as young as he is, um, he's he's very very. I mean, all all the abilities besides the physical ability, reliability, responsibility, dependability, availability. He's got all the avail- abilities, and he's he's strong. Um, you know, he he finishes, he learns quickly. It, it's not you know he doesn't make the same mistake twice. He's he's got. He's got a lot of uh, he's got a lot of very very high redeeming qualities, you know. Um, he's made us some good stuff. There's no doubt about it. So, but honestly, I think they're going to need both of them at some point in time. So if it does work out that they go with Cordell Volson, Jackson Carmen can't get his dauber down. Jackson Carmen, I mean, if you if you you know, my mindset would be all right. Well, I'll just try to get better, work harder. Maybe they rotate. Maybe three guards rotate, you know, who knows? Maybe they end up, uh, not, not going to run a messenger guard system with Joe Burrow, but <laughs> who, who knows what they do. You, just, you don't spit the bit. You don't give up on it. And that's going to be the, 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 next, that's the next thing that I would look at as a coach. All right, well, if it doesn't work out, am I going to lose one of these two guys? And you can't make a decision on, oh, well, I don't want to hurt that guy's feelings. This guy would handle it better, so I'm going to go with this guy because he would – you don't want to do that. So it's uh, – I, I think I think Cordell Volson is probably comfortable with resting on the tape that he's put on display and uh, let the chips fall as they may. Let's turn to Justin Rigg, who caught a three-yard touchdown pass tonight. The Bengals' number one tight end, Hayden Hurst, healthy, ready to go for the start of the season. Drew Sample sprinted with some of his teammates before the game tonight, so it looks like hopefully he'll return to practice next week. Mitchell Wilcox is still out, so the tight end position is a bit of a mystery. And Justin Rigg, we already knew he could block and now he showed something in the passing game with a touchdown catch in the red zone tonight. Yeah, that was good to see. I think they, you know, it's almost like they rewarded him for a job well done at the line of scrimmage. Now we're going to get, you know, we're going to target you and, and let you catch an NFL touchdown pass in the preseason. You know, it's like, good job, kid. And uh, you know, we know you can do this, and we're going to let you do it. Um, and just like every position, Dan, and I mean, I, I when I every single training camp I went to, I'm like. I got to win a, a job. Hmm. First thing I have to do is win a job to get on the roster, and then win a starting job. But in, and you have to approach it that way every year because there's always somebody, whether they trade for them, whether they pick them up off the waiver wire, whatever the case may be. The, the, a big part of a personnel department's responsibility is always trying to improve the football team. So man, if you think you got it made, that's when you don't have it made. Honestly, you it's it's so competitive. There are so many guys that uh, would, would give their right arm to be in the National Football League, and if you feel like, you know, eh, I got it, I'm good, man, you start that complacency, you're going to get slapped down, man. You're going to get slapped down quick. So hopefully all these guys realize, because this roster, Tuesday at 4 o'clock, that's just the beginning. There, there could be, you know, multiple tweaks during the course of the week. You know, there, there may be some guys – that are on the on the waiver wire that they fully intend on bringing back and having a guy make the 53-man roster, then put them on injury reserve. It's a lot lesser time, so you have to play the roster mechanics, and they've done that over the years multiple times. So, at four o'clock on Tuesday, you can exhale. Don't let the all the air out though, because man, 
there's there's more days the rest of the week that you're going to have to worry about and deal with, and that's just life in the NFL. If it were easy, everybody would do it. Last thing. At the end of the final preseason game in your rookie year, did you know that you had made the team, or did you have that uncomfortable wait to find out that you were good to go? I was drafted in the third round, uh, the 61st pick in the draft, and um, a guy named Daryl White, All-American guard from Nebraska. We were the two All-American guards. He was drafted in the fourth round. Dogfight. And, um, you know, my uh, my good buddy Stan Walters, fellow Syracuse alum, was on the team still before he had traded to Philadelphia Eagles for John Reeves, the quarterback, and Stan makes the Pro Bowl at the Eagles. He was a really good player. But um, so last cut. And I, I get my playbook in my hand. I get out of my car, and I'm looking at Frank Smouse, who is the Turk, and I'm like, I'm kind of tiptoeing, you know. <laughs> so I walk faster, and he looks at me, and then he kind of looks around me. I'm like, hmm. So I go to my locker, change out, put on my shorts, T-shirt, go into the team meeting room, and everybody had tape. Paul Brown put a strip of tape in the right-hand corner, upper right-hand corner of your desk with your name on it. So Lyman were up front. I go looking for my name. No Lapham. I'm like, son of a gun. Frank Smouse didn't even recognize me. That's how bad I suck. He didn't even know who the hell I was. This is awful, man. I made no impression. And I was beat red. I could, I could feel the heat coming off my chest. And I'm like, Daryl made it. I didn't make it. So, so I, I really had no idea. And, uh, and I'm thinking, because I, I played the first three preseason games, I played quite a bit. And then I didn't. You know, and Daryl played a ton. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, is, is this a signal that you played well enough? Or it's like it wasn't good enough, and Daryl, they want to see him, how well he's playing. And so you don't know. You just don't know what they're thinking. And um, <laughs> so I, I turn around to find Daryl and shake his hand. No Daryl. I'm like, God, they cut both of us? I can't believe that. And then everybody starts laughing and Stan hid, hid in my desk in the closet. <laughs> he pulls my desk out. Hey, dumb rookie. But I wanted to kill him, but. I'm like, my heart was pounding. And uh, so Paul Brown, after after the uh, meeting, congratulations, young man. And I'm like, coach, I was thinking, ah, ah, that's your first mistake. Don't think. Don't think. I'll do the thinking. You play. Don't think. I'm like, yes, sir. Words to live by. No Don't think. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Don't overcomplicate anything. Don't think. Bengals return to practice on Wednesday as they turn their focus to the regular season opener, against the dreaded, hated, but grudgingly respected Pittsburgh Steelers. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play fantasy football game. This past season, Ultimate Bengals awarded a weekly winner during the course of the year with tickets, autographed merchandise, and money-can't-buy experiences all up for grabs. Find Ultimate Bengals in the App Store and Google Play. Now, Time for this week's Fun Facts interview, where you get to know the person under the pads. Time for some Fun Facts with rookie tight end Justin Rigg from Springboro, Ohio, about 40 miles away from Cincinnati. Were you a Bengals fan as a kid? Actually, I was not. I I guess I kind of at first grew up, and my middle brother was a Bengals fan, and then my oldest brother was a Steelers slash Falcons fan, and then I kind of... revolted against going with one of them and I was I've been a Seahawks fan kind of my ah. was my whole life until kind of up till until now I guess so yeah a Seahawks fan yeah, growing up in Springboro wearing a Russell Wilson jersey how, how passionate were you about that uh I mean it started with uh Matt Hasselbeck and mm-hmm. Sean Alexander and then way back when I was 
a little younger and when they went to that Super Bowl against the Steelers that year. And then ever since then, you know, yeah, I was a big Russell fan, Bobby Wagner, all those guys, just just loved them all. Justin, you're a big man. You're 6'6", 260. Were you always the tall kid in the back of the class photo, or did you uh, have a, a late growth, growth spurt growing up? Uh, I would say I was always a taller kid, but I would say up until eighth grade, I was kind of with those, those taller kids, but eighth grade going into freshman year, I would say I just started to grow and be like the taller kid in school probably. Only a couple other kids in school were even close to the height that I was at. So I guess at that in high school, I, I kind of took over the height. When it came time for college, you went to Kentucky. Why UK? And was that a difficult decision? Uh, I would say throughout the process, you know, going to different camps and stuff like that, I had no idea until I think I started to talk with Coach Stoops and Coach Marrow and they were heavily recruiting me and just kind of talking to them, visiting with them. They kind of made Kentucky feel like a, a second home, and they kind of made – they felt trustworthy, and I, I felt that the way Coach Mara was talking to me, I could really trust what he was telling me, and everything that he did tell me came true. So till this day, I think that the way they recruit and the way they do, they're really upfront and honest with players, and I think that they're going to continue to grow that program like they are now, and I think I've made a great choice going there. You must have liked it because you were there for a long time, more than a quarter of your life. So you got injured as a true freshman, so you got a medical redshirt. Then the COVID rules allowed you to take an extra year. So you actually played in six different seasons. Was staying a football decision, or did you just love UK that much (laughs) that you wanted another year? Uh, It was definitely, I mean, I do love UK, but I think that extra year really helped me develop my game even more with uh, you know, getting a whole new offense and it kind of being the NFL style offense that we had, I think it really helped propel me to get to where I am now. I think staying that ex- six extra year was kind of beneficial to uh, helping me get to the, the NFL. Aside from football, what was your favorite part of the UK experience? <sighs> I would say I, I do love UK as like a city and I love everything that they have going on there. I feel like there's always something to do. And then, you know, just I feel like anywhere you go, the college experience is really awesome. And Uh, especially having the teammates that I did and the friends that I had there, that it it really was a great thing all around. You signed with the Bengals after the draft as a college free agent. Mm -hmm. I imagine you were hoping to get drafted. Was that weekend disappointing? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, every every player always wants to get drafted, and you're sitting there watching the whole draft, just watching your phone, because you you really never know. I knew I was, just from reports and talking with my agent, I knew I'd be in that back end. Uh, I mean, I I have different opinions, but I just knew that's where I would be, and I knew that the situation that I was in would come down to it. And, you know, it's it's really worked out for me, and I love being close to home, love being at the Bengals, and I love everything that they do here. Uh, you know, Coach Taylor has a great program going on, and I just love the way the style of the, of the organization they have. So we've heard stories about guys in your position where as the draft is winding down, the phone starts to ring. Yeah. It's teams trying to get in position to potentially sign you as soon as they're allowed. Is that what it was like for you? Uh, Yeah, I I received phone calls from different teams, all kind of from all different areas. And, you know, it was just kind of it comes in fast. So I was getting those calls. And then, you know, right when you hung up, you talk to your agent about your options, what you think. And then you get another phone call and then you just kind of you got to make a decision fast because those offers could go away. They like anything can really happen in, in that time. And you could call back and they'd be like, okay. Well, that off like that offers off the table type thing, but you know we kind of had a, a game plan going into uh, what my decisions would be and looking at different teams. We kind of had it down, and I feel like this was the best fit for me. 
We're doing fun facts with tight end Justin Riggs. So you made your NFL debut a couple of weeks ago at Paycor Stadium. How big was the rooting section? And can you articulate what that was like to make your NFL debut so close to home? Yeah, it was pretty awesome because, you know, I had pretty much my whole family here, but then I also had a lot of close friends at the game too. And, you know, uh, you know, once you start playing, you kind of zone out. But then after the game, you kind of realize all the people that were there to watch you. And, you know, after I saw my entire family and I was just – ecstatic and I was like I just played in the NFL game you know you you reach your goal I mean I have more goals now but you, you kind of reach that final goal of I made it to the NFL and I got to play in the NFL game uh, but you know I, I still got a lot more goals to prove and I got a lot of things to do but uh, just being able to share that with my family and friends was was a great thing. I reference your size. You're an excellent blocker, but I know that you consider yourself a good pass catcher as yeah. well, correct? Is that a big thing you would like to prove to everybody? Uh, you, you know, right now, like, I see myself as that blocking tight end, and I, I want to fit that team role, and I, I'll go in there and block for a second down. I'm completely fine with that. You know, if I go out, for, if I do go out for a pass, I'm, I'm going to catch it, and I'm going to run, mm-hmm. and I'm going to do what I can do. I feel like I have great hands, but right now I feel like, I am a great blocker, and I'm going to uh, utilize that and uh, push for my future as a blocking tight end and show that I can do that just so the, so the team can trust me in, in that factor. All right, a few wild card topics for Justin Rigg. According to your U.K. bio, oh, your hidden talent is card tricks. Yeah. There's evidence of this on YouTube, <laughs> so I've seen some of your work. How did that get started? Uh, you know, I think my freshman, because in high school and stuff, like I would always like if I was at home, I would get bored. I would start learning card tricks. And there was a time period where I would uh, a while that I learned a bunch of card tricks. And then I, I really liked it. I thought it was really cool. And then I got to UK and I saw the form. And they're like, oh, hidden talents. I was like, the only thing I can think of is a card trick. So I wrote it down and it kind of stuck. And then throughout uh, my years at UK, they uh, they asked me a couple times to do. I wasn't as doing it as much then, but they kind of asked me to do it. So I try to pull from memory some card tricks <laughs> that I could do. But yeah, I think I love you know America's Got Talent and all that stuff that you see all those things on. I think they're really cool. I recommend checking it out on YouTube. You do it well. If that's your hidden talent, what are you terrible at? <sighs> terrible at you know with with all seeing all these uh, rookie. Uh, show things that they're doing across the league and stuff. There's one thing I, I will never sing. I cannot <laughs> sing. I've, I have a bad voice. I know I can't sing, and I just I would refuse to do that. But yeah, I would say that was the one thing I'd be that I'd be bad at. John Calipari recently did an interview where he said UK is a basketball school. Mm-hmm. Were you offended? Uh, <laughs> I mean, a lot of things can get taken out of context. And I don't know the full story of it. I did see all that stuff, and, you know, you see it all over social media and stuff. But I know that the both programs and all of U.K. athletics have a, a great, you know, f- friendship, and they're all together, and they want every single organization or every team to succeed. And I, I think that that feud was – I know that those coaches don't have that feud with each other, and I know they're probably, they probably already figured it out. And I, to me personally – you know, I think what Coach Stoops has done has shown that we're, that we're an everything type school, and I think that it shows. Uh, I don't think that it was meant that way. I guess Coach Cal did go on to say he wants the football team to win double digit games every year and go to a bowl game. So I guess he couched it a little bit. Yeah. Final question. This one's kind of deep. If you could meet anybody in history, athlete, entertainer, statesman, whoever it might be, who would that person be? 
and why? Hmm. Like maybe George Washington, just to to meet somebody back from way back then mm-hmm. and just kind of understand what the things that they went through and how I guess that time period and just what it what it was like because you really never know what happened all those years ago and just kind of see. I guess what happened then. I don't, that's a tough question. Though. I would, I'll have to think about that one more. I'm trying. I, a bunch of people were going through my head. And I'm just trying to pick a good one. But yeah, I would just think anybody from, you know, back in the, like 1800s or just in, just to know what that time period was like. You can't go wrong with George Washington, father yeah. of our country. Yeah. That's a great answer. Yeah, I, that's why I picked. I was like, that you can't go wrong with that. All right. If you think of something else, feel free to let me know. Yeah. But in the meantime. Appreciate your time. Best of luck, and uh, congratulations on this opportunity. Making it into an NFL camp is a remarkable accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. All right, that's Justin Ring. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, presented by Ultimate Bengals. Download Ultimate Bengals ahead of the upcoming season. It's free-to-play, next-level fantasy football, with fantastic Bengals prizes. Get it now on the App Store and Google Play. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.